0: The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future
1: than now. Hey, everyone. This is Patrick. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to introduce a series that's going to begin. It's going to be an episode per week. Very short episode, but it's a snippet of a couple of really long interviews that I that I did. But let me introduce the topic and the subject and why. So I came across a quote recently that kind of led me down one of these kind of philosophical paths and i had lots of breakthroughs and understandings of, of certain, I would say, fundamental, simple things. And uh, so I wanted to express that with you and expand upon it in a number of podcasts who knows how long it will go for i want you to understand the quote at the same time it led me to understand other things but the quote is by the mathematical association of america and it said it's time for all members of our profession to acknowledge that mathematics is created by humans and therefore inherently carries human biases so it's an interesting quote i step back and caused me to think about You know what math is, it caused me to think about, did humans really create it? And also, does math carry biases? And it's an intriguing statement. So I'm going to kind of unpack it in a sense. As I began exploring, I found out, number one, there's been this debate going on for quite some time between two camps, right? The intuitionist camp says that the human mind created math. And there's another camp called the Platonists, Platonists who argue that math was a discovery of the human mind. So I was reading and kind of understanding both points of view, and I realized that in the end, I'm not sure if it matters that much, but it caused me a question, what is the role of mathematics in in general? So I wanted to explore it at a more practical level. What did it have to do with my life? What did it have to do with my profession? What did it have to do with anyone else's life? some of the conclusions are you know math is is a more objective way to evaluate a, a hypothesis or an assumption. you know some simple examples right and this really comes down to the scientific revolution being able to prove and understand what goes on you know below the surface. So what I mean by that is you know a surface observation or an assumption we can make is you know maybe based on how a child, looks outside and sees, you know, the sun rising in the east and then going west and it sees it again and it sees it again. And then you can reason why, wow, I guess the sun revolves around the earth, right? So you can see kind of how these surface observations can lead to faulty assumptions. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a, a hike with Two of my kids, my youngest son and my 14-year-old. And we got up to this peak that's on the east side of Salt Lake City. And it was an amazingly clear day. You can see all the way across to the other side of the great Salt Lake. And I thought up there, I'm like, man, I can see why someone would assume that the earth was flat. Right. So these general, I would say, surface observations have been disproven, of course, right? Science has, has disproven it because it was an assumption made, right? And then a person, I would say, wanted to test that assumption and realized that it was false, right? And those are just simple examples. I think that trend has gone on for quite some time and it's led to a insane scientific revolution and the miraculous life we get to live. We live today. Let me digress because this is getting off onto a rabbit trail. So I look at again, math and more objectively, I'm not going to say. Pure objectively with regard to math, but more objectively testing out an assumption or hypothesis. And so then that's when I realized, okay, so I'm going to get down to some basic, you know, basic truths. And this is where I came across again. I've come across it a couple of times, this thinking model called first principles and Elon Musk credits this this way of thinking as to why he's so successful with you know tesla paypal spacex solar city i mean you list all the companies is he basically says that he finds opportunities using the first principles thinking methods so let me unpack that and then relate it to the mission of the well-standard podcast so this thinking model again first principles Right? It predated Musk, right? This was something that I would say was maybe born during Aristotle's times. It was used by Copernicus, one of the most famous physicists of our modern time, Richard Feynman, who's deceased. but he uh, his way of thinking, his books, you can see it there when you understand first principles. That he also used it to really understand the core of something. So what is it? What is first principles? First principles essentially boils down a problem or an idea or an assumption to the, the fundamental truth. And from that fundamental foundational level, you reason up from there. And Musk says that the way in which most people think is reasoning, right, or thinking by analogy and how he describes that is People copy what other people are doing and then they try to do it with slight variation, right? So they basically look at the activity, the solution, something that other people are doing to solve it, to solve a problem and make slight variations, slight tweaks to that right? So first principles goes to that deeper level, right? Instead of asking the truth, you know, or assuming the truth of the world is flat, you go to the deeper level and the deeper level and the deeper level to really understand what is that fundamental core truth. So going back to, you know, the mission of the Wealth Standard podcast, Right. I made a claim in the book I wrote in 2018. It's also, you know, the purpose of the wealth standard and reasons why I have certain guests on is because I have the assumption that people want to achieve a meaningful life. I also have an assumption that people want to be financially independent. And that's the mission of the wealth standard podcast to empower people to those ends. So it caused me to, to think. And and I realized something that, you know, to me wasn't born or this idea wasn't born using this rational line of thinking. But the financial services industry, specifically financial planning, retirement planning, it's a multi-trillion dollar uh, industry, finance, personal development, right? Achieving these ends of what I believe is financial independence and a meaningful life. I don't believe that that's the end that they're wanting to achieve. I believe that you know these financial industries are really pushing for this end result of uh, retirement and being successful with the way in which you manage money until that point in time. But I believe again this goes to thinking by analogy. I don't believe that retirement is what people want. They're solving for retirement but what I, what I think people want this comes from experience working with people as a financial advisor. They don't want retirement. They want to be independent. Okay, They don't want to necessarily work in something they don't like. That's why they want to retire. They also would rather do other things than work all the time, Okay, which is why they want to retire. But financial independence, I believe is possible sooner than 65. It's pushing this, you know, date out to, you know, 65 years old. I don't believe that that's necessary anymore. I don't even believe it was ever necessary. Right. But I believe again, if you have this end result and you have this entire, you know, system designed around this end result, right, then that narrative is just going to continue and, and new entries into the system are essentially going to think by analogy and try to make improvements to how you, you know, maybe it's the mutual fund or the ETF or the asset allocation model, right? But it's still to the same end result, but it's slight variations to it. So I want you to consider that as a possibility of why are you managing managing your money? What's the purpose? Uh, why are you investing? What's the purpose? Right. And boil it down to the fundamental truth. OK, what will that give you that you don't have right now? What problem will it solve? Right. And once you can get really clear about those end results, then you try to remove the constraints between where you are right now and where you want to go. All right. So what does this have to do with math? So again, if math is a better way to evaluate rather than just by observation or by copying what somebody is doing and making a slight variation to it, I would say it's it's the measure the evaluation of, of these assumptions, right? And so if you, again, go to financial planning, investment planning, there are these surface level assumptions that are being made about rates of return about income, about purchasing power, about taxation, about... i mean, There's a number of things as far as assumptions being made in the financial services industry. And so I looked at, have those claims been properly evaluated? And this is where I'm going to move to as far as this series is concerned. I am going to have on as a guest of mine, a man that was one of my original mentors. We're going to record some pretty long episodes and just break them into some bite-sized chunks and release those chunks every week. But Todd Lankford, he is, he's the developer of a more financial strategy, financial advising, financial planning software. He's been doing that for over 30 years on multiple systems, multiple platforms. But in general, he's just a good man, which you'll see in a second. And also, he's just curious about life and an engineer at heart wanting to know How things work, the truth behind how things function. And because of that, you know, he's done some pretty crazy, bizarre things. You know, he has this crazy multi stage fireworks display in this big ranch that him and his uh, wife, Kim live on. He's programmed these metal like 3D printer laser cutters, you know, from his phone, everything in his home, he has kind of managed and programmed and automated. And he just built this like massive solar complex that powers not just his house, but other houses. And he built the structure behind it and how the batteries work and how the solar panels would be facing and the pitch of the roof. And I mean, it's insane. He's just a brilliant man. And he, I would say, understands the principles of math uh, and specifically how math relates to finance to be able to evaluate at a more objective level the claims made about what money should be doing, both the end result but also the methods to get to those end results. So I hope you guys enjoy this series. I'm going to play probably a couple little bits of our conversation in this episode, but next week will be the first episode of of this series. And the series will go on for most likely several weeks, several months. Who knows? But thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate the support. We have some new stuff coming out, some tools that relate to this subject And so make sure you bookmark the website and also look out for some emails coming from us. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate the support. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Taking a break from the show. You know, entrepreneurs inspire me. I love meeting leaders of successful ventures who discover an idea, formulate the business, and then execute. You'd assume that they know how to structure their personal finances. I believed that too, but I was wrong. Entrepreneurs are never taught to effectively manage their wealth, to work alongside their business and lifestyle. All of that work, effort, toil, and time wasted. Entrepreneur 101 is an online course that teaches you a financial strategy that works so that success is not a flash in the pan, but lasting. The spirit of the entrepreneur doesn't have to be compromised. Register for the Entrepreneur 101 course today for free at thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. That's Echo November Tango. Thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. All right, Todd, first question I have for you is our relationship. You've always been a curious person. Like what's the driving force behind that curiosity? How would you characterize that?
2: You know, I always like to see, I think, a different way of doing something. Kim relates it to my Colby and the way that fits in. And sometimes, you know, one direction of an answer, I may not like the answer that I get. And so I try to attack it in another way just to see if those two come up the same. And where that differential is, I think, drives the idea somewhat of efficiencies I think it's pretty easy to get into a rut. Well, this is the way it's always been done. And in order to keep me from getting into that rut of this is the way it's always been done,
1: I tend to try to do it a different way. What do you discover in the process? So let's say you find that it's been done this way, and that way is inefficient, inaccurate, it could be done a better way. What happens in the experience of that discovery? So often, I think ignorance
2: in a particular field or particular idea actually allows you the ability to learn more. It allows you the ability to innovate a lot easier because you're not smart enough, so to speak, to be on the path of what somebody's already discovered. And so the new breakthroughs, if you look at, at history on innovation, most of the really significant breakthroughs came from an accident. And the reason they came from an accident is because the tried and true way of that. Everybody had always done something was limited on how far it could go. And so when they made a mistake, they figured out, oh, wait, it's not that what we were doing is wrong. It's that our thought process was off base. And we have to shift our mind, shift our thinking into a place that's really difficult to get out of the box that you've created for the way things have always been. And so since those accidents occur from the outside, I find myself a lot of times seeing things that you always heard were true But maybe they're not. And when you dig pretty deeply on things, you find that the label professional has an interesting connotation because these are mainly the people that are considered professionals. They're supposed to be the ones that know it all. But a lot of times you find out it's it's just that they know a little bit more than everybody else does. And if you dig a little bit deeper, sometimes you find out, hey, maybe they don't know everything that's there. I, I found some of that out. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the, the solar project. As I was going through some of the solar stuff and, and I would come up against people, I would question them. It's like, can't, can I do this and this and this? And they said, no, that won't work. And I would back it up and say, wait a second, here's the math. Follow me with the math behind what we're talking about doing. And they'd look at it and there'd be this pause. And they'd say, <laughs> well, I guess that could work. <laughs> and so, so the only way I could find out was actually doing it because nobody would give me a definitive answer.
1: Thank you for listening to The Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.